0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. We have a quarterback-centric show ahead. We've got a lot to talk about with Jackson Smolick Joining the class on Friday since our last episode, we spent a lot of time last Thursday with Tyler Calvaruzzo discussing where things were appearing to be headed with Smolick. At that point, we didn't have a timeline in place pretty Quickly after we stopped recording, we did, and that announcement came live on Friday afternoon. You heard, saw a lot of coverage at Lions 24-7 from our national team. Alan True had a couple articles up. He will join us on the podcast in just a couple of minutes. A 24-7 sports national recruiting analyst does a great job across Big Ten territory. and He got a chance to see Smolik throw on the camp circuit this year. He's going to talk a little bit about how his recruitment rose and also about what may be next in the evaluation process does 24-7 sports and really the rest of the college football world tries to wrap its head around who Jackson Smolik is as a QB and what he could provide Penn State moving ahead. We'll also look into Smolik with Elite 11 director – Brian Stumpf, you've hopefully heard Brian Stumpf a couple recruiting cycles ago, breaking down Christian Veiu after Veyu was down at an Elite 11 finals. Uh, last year, of course, Drew Aller was out there in California, this time Smolik. Big part of uh, what sparked interest across the country was what he was able to do out there at the Elite 11. He was one of the top performers identified at the end of that event and also out there at the Elite 11. Uh, was uh, the former Penn State commit at quarterback Marcus Stokes, who flipped to Florida in July. So an opportunity to get a little bit of a compare and contrast from Brian Stump on those two quarterback prospects. Uh, our Tyler Calvaruso had a story up over the weekend, kind of breaking down that in terms of what Penn State lost at the quarterback position, what they gained at the quarterback position this summer, and now in the end, what that means for the Nittany Lions QB room. Before we get to all that stuff, we have to address a couple of departures, mid-preseason departures on the Penn State roster. Uh, early Saturday morning, we reported that Kaziah Holmes was confirmed as no longer being a member of the Penn State football program. He put it out there Tuesday that he had hit the portal. Uh, I'm sorry, Monday that he had hit the portal. So that's now happening, looking for a new college football home. Holmes was one of the two top uh, top 24-7 running backs who came in with that 2020 recruiting class in the middle of the pandemic, him, Kevon Lee. Neither of them were supposed to play much as freshmen. They ended up playing a bunch because Journey Brown's retirement, Noah Kane's injury. Devin Ford wasn't available during the second half of the season for much of the time. So Holmes finished year one uh, kind of on a high note, almost 100 yards, a couple touchdowns against Illinois last year. Big step back for him in that room. J1 Sider uh, basically wanted to apply a red shirt, and they did just that. He entered three games, uh, very seldom used on the field relegated to practice squad duties for the most part and clearly coming off of the scrimmage on Thursday night which Mark Brennan shared some notes on over at lines 247com for our VIP subscribers coming out of that you figured there would be a sense to gauge where the running backs were what their usage might look like some timing there some timing as how uh, how the summer semester ends uh, whatever the cause of course uh sh- I Holmes no longer on that field. We'll get them in the practice field Wednesday. There will be four scholarship running backs. Uh, Devin Ford still around the senior with another year of eligibility ahead from him. The two freshmen with Nick Singleton uh, and Katron Allen. And then of course, Kevon Lee uh, back as well, the incumbent leading rusher. So Kentali was the name that was a bit more surprising. Uh, freshman, couple weeks on campus. We reported in late July about him getting to campus uh, and being a becoming a member of this team just in time to get on the practice field. Uh, it did not last long for his career Uh, he confirmed today uh, on tuesday publicly announcing that that he would enter the transfer portal that has happened already Uh, and clearly this one is one that turns your head because ken talley all the reports coming out of his recruitment were exceptional peer recruiter for penn state guy out of philadelphia uh, doing work to try to build this class up we heard from terry smith defensive recruiting coordinator for penn state last signing day referred to him as a heartbeat of the defensive recruiting class and a guy that they compared to jesse lucetta Lucchetta, if you recall, with that 2018 group, very important as a peer recruiter, ultimately becoming a, a team captain material during his time on campus. I think there was some hope that it would result that way for Ken Talley. This one's fresh. I think emotions are high on, on both sides of the party here. Uh, so it's something we'll continue to gather information. There's been a lot spoken and written about it over our message boards at lines 247com uh, And, again, it's something that you've got to uh, – respect some privacy with the situation like this when a young man moves on and, and 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 you have to kind of dig dig into why that happened uh but it's something that we'll do the best we can with and report back to you at lions247.com a couple of departures uh we'll see what that means for penn state we have it availability on wednesday we'll hear from some players from coaches but right now let's get back to it with the recruiting trail and we'll bring in alan true as i mentioned he was part of that fantastic coverage provided on jackson smoke's commitment day last friday Alan, great work on that. I learned a lot more about Jackson, reading your stories. Um, Appreciate you coming on. I know you're down in Nashville at 24-7 Sports Headquarters, so thanks for fitting us into that schedule. Yeah, no problem. Makeshift backdrop here in the hotel room. It it works. It works for us. I hope it works for you. And, and Alan, let's get right into it with Smolik, because this is a a case where a lot of the 2023 quarterbacks we're talking about, you have been talking about for a couple years. You've been writing about them for a couple years. These are known names When did Smolik first land on your radar and just how much has the narrative changed since that first encounter with his name to where we are now?
1: Yeah. You know, I think right after the season, we started to hear a little bit more about him and and definitely into the spring because I think his coaches and his parents, people around him knowing that he had some unusual circumstances, dealt with some injuries, they needed to get his name out there. So I think that got more aggressive in the spring. So we started to hear about him more. And I think, for him it was a perfect storm this is a good cycle to be kind of a late comer to the scene the 2023 quarterback class is not as deep you see several major schools you know penn state i know they had the deep commitment but they were going well into the summer without a 23 commit you look at notre dame michigan wisconsin schools like that you hear heard about some of them still talking to smolik uh late in the process and that's because a lot of schools are, are in an unusual point where they're still looking for 2023 quarterbacks. so it worked out for them it was a perfect storm of him doing the right things, his parents and coaches doing the right things, and I think this cycle being one where the drop off came pretty quick after the
0: first uh, few, you know, power five type guys on the board. You mentioned Notre Dame, Wisconsin showing interest. Uh, he, he had told uh, Steve Wolfong that uh, that there was an SEC team heavily involved, at least behind the scenes. Um, from your perspective, any surprise that he was content to you know call it a day and go with Penn State, or maybe not stretch this thing out and see just how much he could expand this recruitment?
1: I mean, I think when you're a kid like him and you've uh, overcome the things that he has, you're playing with fire a little bit by then continuing to keep your name out there. I mean, you can definitely draw more interest. I think had he played through the season, it is uh, likely that more schools would have found their way to him, kind of given how this cycle is playing out. But I think he went out to Penn State to try to earn the offer, to get to know the school and the program better, saw everything that he wanted there, and and after just everything – that kid has had to fight through to get to a big 10 offer why wait and maybe see yourself back at square one of penn state if you don't commit and penn state you know offers another quarterback so i think he did the smart thing and i also think that a lot of these kids really want to concentrate on their senior season and with that starting very soon here he's able to get recruiting off of his plate and, and maybe start recruiting on
0: behalf of penn state as well You've got two pieces uh, that that follow the commitment. I want to focus first on the adversity aspect, as you've addressed it a couple times just here in the last few minutes, um, overcoming uh, an injury that that we've discussed here a bit on the podcast. But can you kind of delve through what it took to get this kid on a Big Ten campus in 2023?
1: Yeah, so injury, his freshman year.
0: Splits time, his
1: sophomore year. Comes back, junior year is supposed to be his year. Breaks his collarbone in the first quarter of the first game and fights his way back, ends up playing towards the end of the season, plays well. You know, every piece of film that we had on this kid, he performed well in throughout the process. There just wasn't a lot of it. And with quarterbacks, that's that's tough. And so they tried to set up some throwing sessions for him. His coach said they weren't very well attended. You know, schools have to get around to see a lot of different quarterbacks throw. He wasn't already on the radar. So it didn't draw maybe the amount of schools or the types of schools that they were necessarily looking for. So then he had to go out and earn it himself. And even at that point, he threw well at the uh, Kansas City UC report camp that I was at, threw well at some other college camps, went to Lindenwood. The feedback there was extremely positive. And we had several major coaches that were at that camp saying like, hey, this, this guy should be on your radar as somebody that you rank. That was really when we started to move that process forward. But even then, there's no guarantee. There has to be a spot left for you. Most schools only take one quarterback. Now with the transfer portal, some schools take no quarterbacks. And so the odds really were stacked against him. But he didn't let that stop him. Went back to Penn State, you know, for a, a late camp in July. You know, if you're usually if you're a senior quarterback and you're going into the end of July and you don't have many offers and you don't have a Big Ten offer, you're typically speaking, you're not going to get one unless you're one of the lucky few. Um, this year he was, and I say lucky, knowing that you have to have the talent and you have to be in the right places. He did that. Um, They took all the right steps. If you're a quarterback who was injured or missed some time or maybe had a senior starter in front of you,
0: Jackson Smollett should be the blueprint for how you get recruited. Great point. And and we're going to hear from Brian Stumpf in in just a moment, director of Elite 11, about what he did out in L.A. But just for for our listeners, provide some perspective on what a strong performance from an under-the-radar prospect like this in that kind of setting, how does that reverberate across the recruiting landscape?
1: We've seen it happen from time to time where somebody goes to the lead 11 finals or, or a regional and really puts himself in the ring. Remember Hunter Deckers a couple of years ago from the state of Iowa, nobody knew who he was, had a central Michigan offer. I think he ends up committed to Iowa state's going to be their starter this season. Um, last year, to a certain extent, you had some guys, Luther Richardson from right here out of Nashville was kind of in that boat. It happens to maybe one or two guys every year, but The Elite 11, I think, does a great job of giving opportunities to a couple players like that. They don't just take the Drew Allers and the Quinn Ewers and the Trevor Lawrences of the world. They always give a couple opportunities, and by and large, those guys have made the most of it. So that was the case for Jackson this year. And you can go out in a setting like that, all these other top quarterbacks, all these drills that maybe you haven't done a ton of because you don't know the Elite 11 script. If you're Jackson Smolik, you miss a lot of time, and it could potentially not go well. But he came out very prepared. Our analysts loved him, which, again, you know, people think we just go to these events and we're looking for the top names. I, I think that for him to stand out at that event side by side with those guys, he had to show some special arm talent and some tools over the course of those few days. And word spreads quickly. Again, when you don't, when you have a, a group of schools that is still looking for a quarterback and they see, hey, who's this guy from Iowa that we hadn't heard of? And he's doing well at the Elite 11 finals. That makes everybody go back and take a look, and I think that's exactly what happened with Jackson.
0: Smoluk is currently the number 30 quarterback in 24-7 sports rankings, and I want to make it very clear because of that lack of sample size. This is a tough one to gauge and to evaluate and to apply ratings and rankings to at this stage of his career. A lot of these quarterbacks you're putting them side-by-side side against, you've got 20-plus – games logged of, of of film at the high school level right now with Smolock, What's the approach for the rankings council? I, I know a lot of people immediately want to see a, a major bump. I know you're taking the, the right approach to wait and see what his senior year looks like. Can you talk about what, what goes into the next phase of figuring out who Jackson smoke is as a quarterback prospect?
1: Yeah, honestly, I think when you look at where he's ranked already, given the lack of information and the lack of name buzz that he had and the lack of film, that's a pretty good ranking already for a guy who is dealing with some of those issues. I think that shows that we like him. We've put him in a spot already where he's above a lot of guys who have played more games or maybe have done more events than him. So I think he's sitting in a good spot. I think he really has almost nowhere to go, but up because this is going to be the year that he gets to play a full season, you know, barring another injury, I would expect him to continue to go up now exactly how much that remains to be seen. He plays a tough schedule. They're going to play Southeast Polk. That's uh Caden Proctor, who's a five star, they're the defending state champion, and they're going to play Ankeny with JJ Cole. He's going to have a a quarterback battle with another quarterback that Penn State had offered at one point is committed to Iowa State. Um, They were the state runner up last year. So just an extremely tough schedule. He's going to have a chance to prove himself against good competition, though. And I think
0: that can go a long way. On your comparison that you made this month, when, when you had kind of the, the freshened up scouting report on Smolik uh, was Case Keenum, All American career uh, with the Houston Cougars, has gone on to be kind of an NFL journeyman at the next level. What what kind of drew you to that comparison? And overall, can you highlight some of the the skill set uh, pluses that you like about Smolik and where you think there's room for improvement? Sure. So I think.
1: With Case Keenum, uh, first thing we look at when we try to make these comparisons, comparisons is physically what did Case Keenum look like out of high school? What did he look like at the NFL Combine? And Jackson Smolick is probably a little bit bigger at this point than Case was at the same age. But we looked at what Case measured in at the NFL Combine and thought Jackson could almost have those exact same size and weight type numbers in three or four years. And then you look at the scouting report, You know, neither of those guys is a true dual running threat but mobile enough to make plays in the pocket, escape and make some passes on the run. Uh, neither of them is, you know, six foot four, six foot five, with this powerful cannon arm. But they are very accurate, smart with the football, can make all the throws on the field. But you wouldn't necessarily put them in like the elite class of uh, arm strength and velocity. So I thought that when I looked at what I had written on Jackson's scouting report, it was very similar to what I had read about Case in his NFL uh, draft scouting report. So That's the comparison for now. Obviously, we can adjust that during the year if we watch Jackson Smolik this year and learn a lot more about him. But I think that they're very similar at this stage. And so I think for him, it's hard to even break down full strengths and weaknesses because we have so little to go on. I think this year he's just going to have to show that he can stay healthy for the whole year and show some consistency because he's he's done it in spots. He's done it flashed in this game, that game. Now, can he do it? for a full season. I think that's the main thing that we're looking for. I think we feel pretty comfortable about what he brings to the table as a passer.
0: One other layer I wanted to get to before we let you go, Alan, is the fact that he is following up a two quarterback class with Bo and Drew Aller. Of course, Drew was the number one quarterback in 24 seven sports rankings. I guess what kind of a mindset do you have to be looking for uh, at the quarterback position to bring in somebody after you take two? And I've talked about it a lot on the podcast. You don't skip cycles in quarterback recruiting.
1: Well, I think this seems like the perfect guy to bring in after that. He's excited to have the opportunity. He's used to having to fight his way. So having two quarterbacks in front of him isn't going to be a hindrance to him. It might have been for some other guys who are in this class. He's going to come in with, uh, I think, a pretty fresh mindset. So I think if when you when you bring in two quarterbacks in the class before, and one of them being an all-world kind of guy, and Drew Aller it's tough to follow that up with another Drew Aller but you also you don't want to sacrifice on quality so I think this is a perfect situation where you kind of catch a guy on the rise who um you know his trajectory is going up but isn't going to have a problem following in a class that has Drew Aller and then a, a second really good quarterback in Bo
0: Perbulo as well so I think this is a perfect situation g- given the two years Alan True does a great job covering recruiting for 24-7 sports. You've seen a lot of this content at Lions 24-7. You'll continue to see it. Good stuff on Smolik here as well. Thanks, man. Enjoy Nashville. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. We'll be right back on the Lions 24-7 podcast. Good stuff from Alan. In just a moment, you'll hear from Brian Stump, who is from the Elite Eleven, directing that for several years now. Just a couple of the numbers on Smolik, real quick. I don't think we addressed them off the top. Listed six foot two, two hundred pounds, out of Dowling Catholic in West Des Moines, Iowa. A member of this twenty twenty three class, which now features nineteen prospects as Penn State moves forward uh, towards that early signing period. So, without further ado, here is Brian Stump from Student Sports. Does a great job directing the Elite Eleven Finals every year and the regional uh, bracket that leads up to that event. And Brian, I know it's always a busy whirlwind experience. Congrats on getting it done for the twenty twenty three cycle. I'm sure you're already well underway with planning for the twenty twenty four quarterbacks. And hope all is well on your end.
2: Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a blast. The the regional tour is a grind, going out every weekend and. Traveling across the country, and, and so when you get to do the finals event finally, and, and get all the guys together, and actually really spend some some uh, some solid time with them, we we got three days and two nights with all the, the twenty quarterback finalists this year. You really get to know them better, and and that's probably the funnest time of the year is just getting to be around those guys, kind of see see under the hood, see what makes them tick, and and see how they perform in that environment.
0: I'm dating myself a bit here, but last time I covered in Elite Eleven Finals, uh, Sean Clifford was a participant. Tuataga Tagovailoa was a participant. Uh, these guys are they're older or they're done college ball, but we got some fresh sets of eyes on Jackson Smolick who was just out there. I'm uh, really curious to hear before we get to that, just overall, what do you think the elite 11 finals means for the quarterbacks who participate in it? Because I think our listeners out there, they just want to see what the final list looks like. They may not understand everything that goes
2: into compiling that final list. Sure. Um, what it means to them. I think it, it it probably means different things to different guys. I think for, for maybe a majority of them, and, and I don't want to assume too much, but from talking to guys over the years and things like that, for a lot of them, it's a it's a goal they set for themselves, a, a personal goal. Um, you know, maybe they they saw a YouTube series on it when they were ten, or maybe their high school coach told told them about Elite Eleven when they were a freshman, and uh, things like that. So for many of them, it's a, it's a it's a goal that they've put on their list of things they'd like to accomplish. They've worked really hard. Um, and, and that's truly our goal, um, with, with the competition is to provide more coaching, but also to give kids, you know, motivation in the off season to keep working. Um, you know, a lot of guys, you know, do well on the field and they're the big fish in their small pond at wherever they go to high school. Uh, but to try to give them something to continue to work for and strive for in the off season and, and provide a little more inspiration where maybe, you know, sometimes a lot of their other goals might've already been accomplished. A lot of guys that have already won state championships and have multiple scholarship offers and have made commitments in, in a lot of cases even. Uh, so to give them something to keep, keep pushing themselves towards. And, and uh, so to see, you know, a lot of the quarterbacks really buy into that and it, it to be something that they work towards is, you know, a, really a, a, re- a redeeming thing for us. And, and we're humbled every year that we see all these quarterbacks come out and and compete for it. So, um, for us, it's a, it's a, it's a blast, um, getting the chance to work with those guys and, and putting guys that really love to coach the position and, and be around young men, uh, in that position to interact with the with top quarterbacks every year.
0: And you'll see, folks, that, that list of Elite 11 alumni, a bunch of number one picks, a bunch of Heisman Trophy winners, a bunch of guys who made a lot of money off in the NFL. Uh, really an impressive group. I know a lot of them stay in contact years later. Let's talk about this latest batch and Jackson Smolik, um, because let's face it, a lot of the guys who were out there with him throwing the ball around, sitting in the classroom, they've been on that power five uh, radar since they were freshmen, sophomores in high school, and it's just been more of the same for them. This was before Jackson Smolik picked up his Penn State offer, before his Penn State commitment, committed to Tulane. Can you talk a little bit about maybe you, how you guys make sure you find some of these outliers? Because I think every year it's not just the 12 top-ranked or the 20 top-ranked quarterbacks in the country. Your staff does a really nice job in finding some of these guys like Smolick What stood out about him, and when did he land on your radar?
2: Sure. Um, great questions. You know, I, I say this every year, and, and <laughs> a lot of people don't believe us because, um, you know, most of the guys that end up, getting invited to Elite Eleven Finals are the top ranked kids, but we we truly don't go out on the road just to just to pick 20 guys off of a list that's already been established. You know, one, we, we love to coach all of them. Uh, but two, you can discover a lot uh, about kids, you know, when you see them in, in March, April, and May versus what their tape looked like back in November um so there's a lot of growth there you know especially as 16 17 year olds and some of them being 18 already they, they still can get a lot better in five to six months so um we really like being out there and, and and seeing them in person that's a big part of the evaluation for us we'll always go back to the film but um yeah and going through the regional process um jackson's case is is maybe a little unique um just as it relates to he really rose from um, you know, kind of the, the unknown ranks as you, as you mentioned. So he was at a loaded regional in Nashville, which was towards the, towards the end of the tour. Um, we had actually seen him the year before he, he came to a regional, um, at, coming out of his sophomore year where he, he split time at Dallin Catholic and, and actually started the, uh, couple playoff games when their other quarterback had COVID. So he had some, some decent experience and then just, you know, uh, really some bad luck, right. As a junior breaking his collarbone in the first game. So, I think if he had been healthy and, 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 you know, had a full junior year, he probably would have had a a much higher profile at that point. But um, yeah, when we went into that regional, we, we go into each camp um, with, with kind of our pre-camp grades off of off of kids tape and things like that. And uh, put the quarterbacks kind of into groups according to that. So Jackson was in the, the, I think he was in the two group out of five. So we, we liked him um, a little bit. He was in the, a group with a lot of guys that are going to sign. And uh, some of them might end up being more, more FCS guys, but, but he was in a, he was in a group where we we liked him a little bit on tape and uh, have known his uh, personal quarterback coach, Skip Stitzel um, out of Missouri for a long time, going back to the Gabbert brothers um, to, to date myself like you did earlier. (laughs) Um, So kind of had a trusted, you know, body and a guy who's, who's seen some quarterbacks before, you know, banging the table for him a little bit, you know, and again, just, you know, had, had some bad luck. Right. So um, as we went through that regional, he 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 checked a couple boxes, um, you know, tested very well um athletically and has since you know kind of verified that as he's gone to different college camps and and been in that consistent uh four, six, four, seven range, uh, had a 94 spark score for us, 35 inch vertical. So um some good athletic numbers. We started doing some uh some some deeper um physical analytics this year with a group called breakaway data. So they came in and, and filmed a bunch of throws on the quarterbacks and uh, Jackson actually ended up they do a breakaway ball score, which combines the quarterbacks release time with their average velocity. And, and Jackson ended up, I think, having the second highest score of the whole regional for that that metric that they developed for us. So that that popped. And then the the other great benefit we have and we tell the quarterbacks this when we're out doing the regional camps, we're not going to be a, a prisoner of the moment. And just, you know, I'm I'm standing in one place for the most part, Joey Roberts, who stand, who, who scouts with us. Um, and then we have usually five or six, you know, really good coaches that, that travel with us and do different regionals, but but all of us combined don't see every throw by every kid, right? And have a have a really accurate way to measure it. So I might go talk to this coach over here and you know, hey, these three guys just killed it in my drill. And the other coach goes, Ooh, I didn't see that. You know, so the 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 other benefit we have is all the all the throws get filmed. So we can go back and check the tape afterwards. So we had these these measurables coming out. And then as we came together a couple of times as a staff in the middle of the camp. And and talk about who's doing well and things like that, you know, a couple times. It was, hey, this seven ninety one kid is it looked really good. And so the the other benefit we have with with a lot of our coaches is we don't really give them much of a heads up going in on who the who the guys are because we really want to get their their takes on uh, some of these some of these quarterbacks and things like that and kind of get a good first impression from those guys' standpoint. So he popped on the eye test for for a bunch of our coaches at the at the event. Uh, had some metrics that really uh, backed that up from both athleticism and, and how he threw the ball and then going back and watching the film as well his throws finished and, and what we mean by that is you know those intermediate throws that are you know 12 to 21 yards down the field there wasn't a lot of dip at the end those were finishing on the on the face and on the chest of the receiver um, so a lot of stuff that that really checked a lot of boxes and and so then it was just man, you wish you had more of an inventory of, of film to really, you know, know that he's a performer on in on the field and in pads, which is, you know, we don't want to run a camp for the best campers. We want to run a camp for the, the best quarterback. So, I mean, that was the biggest thing as we went through it because we really liked him. Uh, he was our our next guy in when when Nico Ayamalava couldn't make it out to the finals. And, and so that's how he kind of got the call. But I think he would have been in the final 20 if he had had more film because everything we saw from him at the camp, uh, we really liked a lot, and and that's how he, you know, really rose on our board uh, compared to where he might have been listed in some other um, rankings and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, we were just discussing that in terms of a, a ratings and rankings perspective. You got to get more sample size in the field. Obviously, you, you can take a lot of what you love uh, off of the circuit, but you want to see what happens this fall for him. Uh, speaking about uh, that that the finals, you know, he gets that phone call from you guys. I got to imagine a lot of guys. It's it's a lifetime goal, but they're still anticipating it. Was this kind of a, a surprise moment for Smolik, especially because you're, you're calling him in as a substitute? Can you take us through that exchange and maybe what it meant to this young man to get this shot?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was pretty funny. I think it was, uh, I think we were starting the camp on a Tuesday. Uh, so Monday, I, I called him uh, pretty much out of the blue, right? Uh, we, had, we had, I think we had, might have exchanged a couple emails or DMs or something after the event and good job. And uh, we'll stay in touch and, you know, let us know if you need help with, you know, colleges and things like that. And some stuff we do with, with guys that, that show up and do well and, and, and the like, but, uh, yeah, I think he was out from, from, uh, his, his retelling the story to me when he finally got out to the finals, he was out, uh, hitting golf balls with his dad, I think in the field at their, at their, at their property. Um, I called, he didn't pick up cause I'm a strange area code and I don't, I don't blame him for that. And then I texted him and said, Hey, give me a shout back. Um, which he, he called probably in two or three minutes after that had a really brief exchange. I said, Hey, I've, I've got a spot for you. We loved you at the regional. Um, uh, think we do, we think you do really well out here and, and, uh, you know, you certainly would belong physically and, and, you know, it could be a great experience for you. Um, I'm pretty sure from talking to him that he was kind of in shock and <laughs> he, he didn't say much. He said he had to, he said he had to talk to his parents and things like that. So, uh, we hung up after that and then probably three minutes later, uh he and his dad called back and his dad did most of the talking because he was still kind of processing it but his dad's like oh he's in he's in you know let us know what we need to do and and so from there we kind of moved on you know making some travel accommodations and, and things like that um but yeah it was it was i'm sure you know a little bit to to process for him and you know something maybe he had been hoping for but um I mean, based on kind of the, and again, it's tough for even the recruiting media when they go out to the, the regional camps. We had 80 quarterbacks at the Nashville event and, you know, Jackson's not a the big name. And a lot of them are there actually more so to cover the kids that might be committed to the schools in their regions versus really, truly trying to get an evaluation for that many quarterbacks at a time. So it's, it's, it's pretty easy for kids to slip through the cracks. And, um, you know, again, I think if he had had the benefit of a junior year, he would have been a, a bigger target uh going into events like ours and things like that but um yeah at the end of the day it was it it was a you know a fun conversation to have and and get him talking a little bit at the end and then when he showed up at the event um he was great um he he, you know not just on the field where he threw it well and um kind of did what we expected him to do and and that was part of the conversation is like hey you're gonna if you come out and just be yourself you're gonna you're gonna do just fine you know um, we don't want to ever put kids in a situation where uh, we don't think they can perform and uh, but I think more so just the the off the field and feeling comfortable with the group. And there's a there's a bunch of, you know, alpha 17 and 18 year olds that are, you know, used to success and used to being the guy that everybody's, you know, looking to and that sort of stuff. So watching them, you know, mix off the field. Um, he was he was comfortable in his own skin. He's got, I think, his own leadership style. Um, but he he fit right in with that group and you could you could kind of tell because then it translated to the field in terms of just again um, knowing who he is and knowing who he is as a quarterback and and being able to go out and kind of calm the nerves and and not worry about stuff that didn't matter and just just go out and perform.
0: I think the mental makeup stuff and and how quarterbacks handle a room full of quarterbacks with egos and guys who want to be the face of the franchise guys. That is such an underrated aspect of what you put these guys through for those three days and how they come out the other side and how they responded to it. It sounds like Jackson did a good job with that. And in terms of on the field, uh, some of the, some of the, the, you know, the things that everyone wants to see, can he throw the ball far? Can he throw the ball accurately? Where is he right now as a quarterback? What are you most interested in seeing when he gets a full season, hopefully uh, to to produce here on the football field as a senior?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, you know, knock on wood, everybody stays healthy this year and uh, that part of it for all the all the quarterbacks, including including Jackson. But I, I think, especially for him, just those those game reps are going to be valuable. There's no way, you know, we do our best. We can't simulate game reps in, in padded football and leading the huddle and, you know, a lot of the things that go on in between the lines and in the locker room as a, as a quarterback of a football team. So um, just really excited to, to watch him go through that this year and, and have a healthy, they play a good schedule. He's going to get to play you know JJ Cole's team can uh, early in the year out there and, and have some other big games and he's played in big games before you know especially as a sophomore as well so um, I think he's going to have a chance to you know just really add to his uh, library of experiences as a quarterback and and different throws but even in his limited sample size last year I think the things you saw and the things and then we saw again in person is uh, he's he's pretty consistently accurate. Um, he makes good decisions and, and he's got the, the arm talent to, to push the ball down the field as well. Um, I think one thing that'll be interesting to see, you know, how he adds it as he continues to you know, grow more into his, his physicality and things like that. Now he's over 200 pounds and he's in that four, six, four, seven range. You know, does he start even to be a little bit more of a, a run threat now? Um, knock on wood, against staying healthy, but I think that's that's something that could be you know an added component to his game as he continues to get uh, more physical and 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 uh, you know uh, just he's only going to be more athletic and I think he mentioned in, in some of the pieces <clears throat> on on the Penn State front that. Trace McSorley was a guy that he looked up to, just in terms of you know the style of leader was and the, and the way he played and things like that. And Trace was certainly a, a dual threat guy that brought a lot to the Penn State offense. And you know, when you have a quarterback like that as an offensive coordinator, it just opens the entire playbook. So I think, you know, I think we I think we know he can throw, um, and he's a he's a sneaky good athlete um, at his size, and he's not a he's not a small kid, and he's only going to get you know bigger and stronger. So, you know, what kind of run cat threat can he also potentially develop into here, starting this year? An
0: interesting thing is we're talking about Jackson Smolick, but when you were actually underway with this event, our site was a buzz about what's Marcus Stokes doing out there and he's gone to the Florida Gators class since then. Um, not asking you to 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 shed any negative light on anybody, but are you able to give us a little bit of a compare and contrast on Stokes Smolick, how are they different in terms of the quarterback that Penn State comes out of the summer with versus the quarterback that Penn State went into the summer with?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a, that's a fair question. Certainly. Um, you know, Marcus is a different kid, obviously he's a Florida kid. Uh, I think there was some, some nature of, you know, uh, natural leadership to Marcus in terms of kind of being a Pied Piper of the class, especially early when you get a quarterback, uh, committed there early. Um, I think he's got, he's, he's a little more lean. He's got to fill out a little bit more, uh, get into a college weight room, uh, probably much more of a, a freelancer at this point. And, and Jackson's, Probably more going to process and go through his reads and uh, try to make the smart and safe play with the football. Um, in terms of if you compare the the styles and the way they play, but I think there's a lot of interesting stuff about Marcus. You know, he he took over at a program that was really um, in a tough spot as a as a sophomore and and didn't have a good season, and then really helped them turn it around pretty quickly as a junior. He's had some great coaching down there um, at his high school, um, so it'll be interesting to see going to going to florida now um i think it's probably a better fit for him socially too honestly you know as a florida kid and you know the guys that he's he's grown up with and played seven on seven with and all that type of stuff i think it, it's it's probably one of those situations where it's going to end up working out the best for for all parties involved right as it relates to um you know penn state and and they've had some quarterback decommitments in the past right you know justin fields probably most most notably but i think at the end of the day kids usually go um, and end up at the place where they're most com- most comfortable, and and that's a good thing for the kid, but also the the program. The last thing you want is to for it to either carry on later into this cycle, and you know you're dealing with a a quarterback decommitment in November uh, versus versus July. Uh, but also for a, a kid that gets in somewhere and, and realizes it might not be the right spot for him, and he's already in the portal, you know, after a couple weeks of practice, and that puts the program back, that puts the kid in the tougher spot. So, <clears throat> I think I think this this hopefully is a win win for for all parties involved in terms of uh, Jackson finding a great place to play, you know, going and and learn and compete with it with the guys that are in the Penn State room, and Marcus Stokes probably being uh, in a in a social setting that's you know probably a little bit more comfortable for him at the end of the day. Uh, being near closer where he's grown up and, and kids that he's grown up with.
0: There's one more quarterback name I want to get to, and then we'll let you get off with this one. Uh, the fact that Drew Aller uh, went to the Elite 11s last year and, and we didn't get you on the podcast to feel a little bit bad about. We had you on after Christian Veyu was at Elite 11 finals. But now that we're getting a sense for who Drew is, he's blown up. He's, he's 240 pounds or so on the field right now. We don't expect to see a lot of him in game action this year, but can you give us a little bit, uh, maybe an anecdote on, on what you anticipate from Drew Aller and kind of where his trajectory is as a quarterback prospect in terms of where you last saw him?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think physically – you know, especially if he's 240 now, um, there's not a lot that Drew can't do. I think that was the first thing that that jumped out to us when you watched this tape um, after his junior year, because he got so much improved from his sophomore year to his junior year of high school. And and the way he could perform off platform and, you know, different arm angles as a big, you know, traditionally slow sized <laughs> pocket quarterback. Um, he wasn't that guy. Uh, you know, he's, he's, I think he's only going to get uh, more athletic and, and and that type of stuff. But uh, from the standpoint of what he can do with his arm and, you know, touch every blade of grass from the pocket or out of the pocket off platform under pressure. Um, it's exciting to think about what he can be as a passer. Um, Cause there's really, I think the, the only limit or cap on it is going to be from a, how he processes the system he's in and how the, the coaches, you know, develop him and um, want to utilize him. So I think that's, that's the exciting part. Cause you know, you look at a a, a body type and an arm talent like that when he's in high school and you know, he's he's probably one of a few kids in each class that you think, hey, three or four years down the road, if things fall into place and if he has the emotional intelligence to handle, you know, the college experience and the college locker room and things like that, you know, physically there are some, you know, number one in the draft type of traits there um, in that toolkit and, and just not every kid has that. So um, I think that's the exciting part when you think about what Drew could be and just how much better he got each year of high school, you know, from his sophomore year, which was you know there were some good spots and bad spots junior year was much more solid and then his senior year was just you know darn near perfect in terms of how he performed and, and led his team and you know all the all the metrics from completion percentage to touchdown interception ratio just exponentially grew each year so um you saw a guy that was physically talented but also <clears throat> was was getting a lot better um so that's that, i think that's the exciting part and it'll be fun to see how he develops i think he's in a great situation like you said if they can keep sean healthy this year and you know have a have a would Sean like an eighth year guy, seventh year guy, right? No. Something like that. He's a six year guy to to learn from, right? Who's been through almost everything. Um, I don't think you could you know find a better mentor for for Drew. And and so you know I think there's a there's an ideal setting, hopefully for the for the program in terms of you know going out and a senior leader having hopefully a great year this year, and then you got a couple younger guys learning under him that are you know ready to compete come come spring ball.
0: Well, Brian, I'm very grateful for our conversations in the past decade or so. Really happy to bring some of them onto the Lions 24-7 podcast, most, most recently about Jackson Smolik. Um, if there's young no quarterbacks out there, make sure you know about the Elite 11. Make sure you're getting out there and trying to find out where the camp is coming to your area. 2024, 2025, 2026 quarterbacks, it's your time to shine now. Uh, looking forward to the 2024 uh, quarterbacks popping up on your circuit next spring and next summer.
2: Yes, sir. So are we.
0: All right. Take care. He is Brian Stumpf from student sports director of the Elite 11. And as you heard a lot on Jackson Smolick and following up what Alan True said, hopefully this episode you have a better feel for a quarterback who really doesn't have that long of a track record or resume in the recruiting world as a power five quarterback prospect. So a uh, nice chance to, to, to do some digging. We did that and we're gonna finish now with our five-star mailbag. And uh, that one brings us back to the current roster for the Denton Lions. And it takes a look at the freshmen, uh, actually the second year players on this team, uh, which of the red shirt freshmen uh, guys who redshirted in 2021 will have the biggest impact in 2022. I think there's an obvious answer here and that's Landon Tang wall for a long time now, although he has not been publicly named an outright starter on the offensive line, expecting him to take over uh, that left guard position. We've seen him work at guard and tackle on the practice field, but, To me, he takes that, runs with it. Uh, He could be that kind of culture-changing figure. Uh, Not going to do it on his own, but I I know a lot of people want to see this offensive line take the next step, and that involves a little more than just performance and physical attributes. It involves some attitude. I think we've heard the phrase nasty uh, thrown around from James Franklin in the past five or six years about what he wants to see from the offensive line. James Franklin's not throwing out as much about what he wants to see from the offensive line this off season, rather leaving it up to their performance. And to me, if they do take a step forward, a big part of that in setting the tone in getting it done on game day, will be Landon Tangwall. And, and I think you look around him on that offensive group. Uh, there are question marks about what guys might look like in their earliest opportunities. We've seen a little bit of Landon late last season. I thought we would have seen more during his first year, but he preserved that redshirt status. And I think personally, my expectations remain very, very Very high for Landon Tangwall, one of the premier offensive linemen assigned with Penn State under James Franklin. Kobe King uh, is the next name that you got to go to here. Um, I guess if I'm going one name, it's Landon Tengwell because he seems to be in a good spot outright to have that job. Kobe King might take a a few weeks for him to wrest away the job from Tyler Elsden. He may lose that job to Tyler Elsden. We're not quite sure what's going to happen at that Mike linebacker spot. I think we're going to see quite a bit of both of them, especially early through the season. I do feel like by the time you get into Big Ten action, though, the bulk of your Big Ten action come October – you want to really be able to lean on a specific starter in that role. We'll see if they get to that point. We'll see if it happens earlier than that. But Kobe King, after being on that four-game threshold last year, did not play in the Outback Bowl. Him and Jamari Budden both fell into that category. Guys who played four games, didn't play in the postseason, and are now redshirt freshmen. Uh, Jalen Reed did surpass four games last year, so he burned a redshirt status. But the other safety in that, uh, another safety in that competition is Zaki Wheatley, uh, after taking the red shirt last year very much a part of the starting conversation uh, next to jair brown of course keaton ellis a, a senior there but jalen reed coming on strong in year two as a sophomore uh, to me it's a key wheatley you kind of look at those three and you think who has the highest ceiling it's hard not to lean that way, with, just with the direction uh, of, of of how his career has gone since the shift from cornerback to safety, uh, leading the team in takeaways this spring. A guy that people continue to look toward uh, as a as a rising figure on this roster. And Sanders Ahegak, maybe he is an obvious answer too, because he's engaged in a competition right now uh, at the place kicker spot. Also. Kickoff specialist. Uh, a couple of things that Jordan Stout did last year. Jake Pinniger, fifth-year senior, versus Sanders Sahadak is something we've been keeping tabs on during the course of preseason camp. We've noted it a couple of times behind the paywall v- uh, for our VIP subscribers that uh, Sahadak, to this point, from what we've seen, has been more consistent in converting field goals. But again, we've seen a limited sample size. They are tracking everything. Sahadak, though, came to town with a huge leg. He has not lost any of that and he was considered the number one overall kicker in 24-7 sports 2021 prospect rankings. I think beyond that, guys who aren't, Starters, but guys that you need to pay attention to, contributors in the red shirt, just a few that come to mind. Jordan Vandenberg, who came by way of the junior college route. So this one's a kind of a cheat. He's not really a red shirt freshman, but it kind of feels like he is. Uh, I threw him in this category because he's a name that should not be lost in the shuffle at defensive tackle. And then two, uh, one other name here on the offensive end, Harrison Wallace, to me, um, really has an opportunity to solidify his, his spot uh, as a two deep wide receiver, uh, a guy who can be part of this rotation. We've seen some of the athleticism and flashes in the spring game uh, on the field during practice looks. Um, to me, I think if you look at that young group of receivers, which is a bunch of freshmen, a couple of second-year guys as well with Wallace, uh, he's someone that I'm looking at early in September uh, that's going to get out there and get some run, maybe get a chance to prove what he's got. And remember, this was not a very big recruiting class that Penn State brought in in 2021. We only saw two guys end up burning red shirt. It was Kalen King, at cornerback. As I mentioned, Jalen Reed at safety. Talked about this last episode as part of the mailbag, but that's not going to be the case this year. You're going to see several freshmen burn red shirt, and I think you're going to see several of them burn redshirt by the time we get to mid-October. So – Take that for what it's worth. We got a lot to look at with this Penn State football program. We'll do that again on Wednesday. Get another look at practice. We'll hear from James Franklin. Sean Clifford is due up to speak to the media as well. Terry Smith, the cornerbacks coach, can shed some light on what looks like a very deep room on this roster. And plenty more coming your way at lines 247com We are back with a second episode of the podcast this week. I want to thank Brian Stumpf and Alan True for joining us. And, of course, our producer, Lance Glynn, for getting the job done behind the scenes. I'm Tyler Donahue. For now, stepping aside, this is the Lions 24-7 podcast.